Let's read again verse 20. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Dear congregation, many oppose Jesus Christ. They do not want him. But all consider what he is like. He is so gracious, so kind, so full of pity and love. Consider how he shepherds us, his people. In Isaiah 40 verse 11 we read, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Oh, what he is like. And we consider there his shepherding. Now Jesus upon this occasion had a great concern for those who were following him, those who truly had grace within. They were weak, they were feeble. The Lord had a great concern for them. And so we read in verse 20, a bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. Well, let's come directly to these words this morning. And I'd like us to consider, first of all, men following Christ, despite the opposition. Secondly, men with grace, but weak. Men with grace, but weak. And then thirdly, men blessed by the compassionate shepherd. Men following Christ, despite the opposition. Men with grace, but weak. Men blessed by the compassionate Shepherd, Come and meet to verse 14. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. Well, let's consider their men following Christ, despite the opposition. If you recall last week, the Lord had rightly interpreted the law and did justly on the Sabbath day in healing the man with a withered hand. It was an act of mercy. He did right. And there were those, as we will consider in a moment, who followed him. Yet there was much opposition. The Pharisees were against him. Remember those words we considered on Wednesday in Psalm 119, verse 95. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me. It's what the psalmist knew, it's what our Lord knew. And as plain is it not in verse 14. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. You recall the early church prayed once Peter and John had returned. And we read in Acts 4 verse 25, Who by the mouth of thy servant David hast said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, for the truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel, were gathered together. They recognised them, the opposition to Christ, and therefore to his servants. Well, we see here this morning, again, our Lord was opposed. People wanted him gone. They disliked what he said, and others outwardly made known their hatred to him. 
when our Lord withdrew himself. Notice verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence. It was not yet his time. And he withdrew for protection. Well, in prudence, he said in verse 16, he charged them rather that they should not make him known. That is the people who were following him. He was being prudent. He was being wise. And we learn from verses 17 through to verse 20, despite the opposition, and it's what we see here, he humbly served in a quiet way as God's chosen servant. We see how he withdrew himself in verse 15 for protection. In prudence, in verse 16, he charged the people that they should not make him known. And we see him humbling serving the Lord, despite the opposition, in that quiet way. Notice verse 19. He shall not serve, nor he shall not strive, nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. How he served. He was the servant. The beloved one, as we see in verse 18, how he served in a humble way. He was opposed. His eye was set on following the Lord. Well, consider how he is opposed today. Many people dislike what he has taught. That's so plain, isn't it? Is it not? They dislike it. They may not openly say it at times, but they do dislike what he has taught. Others openly make known their hatred to Christ. They make known the hatred they have towards his word and the preaching of his word, how the Lord speaks through his word. People make known their hatred or their dislike to it. There is opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there anyone listening on? You're opposed to Christ. How Satan stirs this opposition. And ministers of the gospel suffer. They're disliked, spoken against, hated for making known the truth. However, no one, not even Satan, can stop people being effectually called. And we see in verse 15, men had been drawn to Jesus. And there were those who had been wonderfully saved and were found following him. There's great opposition. Satan loves to stir up opposition, but he cannot and no one else can stop one being effectually called and found following the Lord. Let me ask, have you been drawn to Jesus? Have you embraced Christ in the arms of faith? Now we read in verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Now in these crowds, there were those whose hearts had been opened. Yes, not all, but the evidence is in verse 20, there were those whose hearts had been opened. Now consider the hearts of the Pharisees. They were shut up, and there was opposition. But all many hearts were opened like Lydia of old. Yes, there were some following just merely in an outward way, and that's true today. Not everyone that goes to church in this country truly loves the Lord. There's many 
who are disciples in name but not in truth, as it was on this occasion. However, there were those who were following the Lord inwardly as well. Are you following Jesus? Are you a true Christian? What is a Christian? A follower of Jesus. Some people think they're a Christian because they were born in this country. It's not much like a Christian country anymore, is it? That argument's put to one side, but people think, well, I'm born in this country. I'm a Christian. What is a Christian by definition? What does the Greek speak of? A follower of Jesus. And not just one outwardly, but inwardly. Remember what the psalmist said, my soul followeth hard after thee. There's the essence, there's the evidence of true experimental faith. A follower of Jesus and following the Lord in the heart. A follower of Christ. There was much opposition, but oh, there were many following the Lord. Just read verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Well, let's think then of a true follower of Christ. First of all, they have faith. You remember Matthew? The Lord said to Matthew, follow me, Matthew 9, verse 9. And he followed, and he was found with the Lord. The Holy Spirit had given life. And Matthew was truly convicted of his sin. There was conviction. But also there was illumination. There was a knowledge of Christ. And having faith put within. And having had the renewing of his will. He looked to the Lord for mercy. He was following the Lord. They have faith, those who truly follow the Lord. And so we read in John 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, they know the voice of the shepherd, and they follow. Do you know the voice of the shepherd? Are you following Jesus? A true follower has faith within. What a wonderful thing it is, dear brothers and sisters, to be found following Jesus. We're concerned about the present situation in our country and in this world. It's not going the way we hoped. We hoped that things would further ease, but we see restrictions coming upon us, the virus spreading, deaths rising, lockdown coming. What a blessing to be a Christian as we face the autumn and the winter. Focus on the Lord. I said to the Lord this morning whilst I was thinking about something, something I said many years ago to the Lord. There's nothing else but to trust thee. And there is nothing else but lean on your own understandings as we face the deterioration in this country. Look to the Lord. What a blessing to be a Christian. As we face these autumn months and winter months, we do not know what a day will bring forth. Proverbs 27 verse 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We do not know. But what a blessing to know Jesus, who holds the future. What a blessing to have faith, to be a true follower of Christ. Secondly, as we think of a true follower, One seeks and desires to be like Christ. One seeks and desires to be like Christ. In Ephesians 5 verse 1, 
Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. A follower of Christ, an imitator, as we think there in the Greek, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And do not what we do not we desire to be more like him, to walk in his steps, to have great love for him and for the brethren, or to be more like Christ. We have this desire. I fail so often, but I have this desire to be more like Jesus. And maybe in these troublous times. As we face the autumn and the winter and we know not what's going to come our way, may it be our chief concern to glorify the Lord and be more like Christ. Oh, to be more like him, it's our desire. And do not we seek to be more like Jesus? Let's be honest with ourselves. Just think of it now. In the sight of the Lord, is it not our desire to be more like Jesus? To be perfecting holiness. You see, we think of holiness, how we need to be holy. Well, in seeking to be holy, one will become more like Jesus. Desiring to be more like him. Oh, more of him and to be more like him. Just go back to the previous chapter. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come unto me, O ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. It's come and learn, isn't it? In following Jesus, we want to hear his voice. And we want to learn of him. And we want to be more like him. (coughs) Spurgeon wrote, we are to learn of Christ and also to learn Christ. He is both teacher and lesson. His gentleness of heart fits. Oh, to consider him. And oh, to be more like him. Or to be reading 1 Peter 2 verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. To follow in his steps. You know, I remember as a boy, and I expect some of you have done it here, if not all of you. As a boy, I went down to the beach, and I would see footprints. And I would try to put my little feet in the footprints. Sometimes I'd be amazed. That must have been a tall person to have such large footprint. But you seek to follow, or to follow the steps of Christ. In following the Lord, do not we desire to be more like him? Or to follow in his steps. Meekness, humility, patience, submission. Oh, for help in these things. Thirdly, as we think of a follower of Christ, a true follower, one seeks to keep the commandments. How that needs to be underlined today. Yes, one may face opposition. But out of love to the Lord, one seeks to keep the commandments in following him. You remember what Jesus said in John 14, verse 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Now I begin with myself. I've never kept the commandments perfectly. But my desire is to seek to keep them. Out of love for Jesus. Fourthly. As we think of a true follower of Jesus, one desires 
and spends time with him. Song of Solomon 1 verse 7, tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon, for why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? There were other flocks, other groups, but they were not the true people of God. I want to follow Jesus. He's the good shepherd, the one that so cares my soul, and I desire to spend time with him. Do not we desire to spend time with Jesus? Are we not being taught through this time the need we have of Jesus? We need the Lord Jesus Christ this autumn and winter above anything else. Oh, may there be that great desire to spend time with him. In the Song of Solomon 2 verse 14 we read this of Jesus. Let me hear thy voice. He wants to hear us. Do not we desire to spend time with him? A true follower. Though they fail, though they backslide, though there can be winter times in the soul, will be found desiring to spend more time with Jesus. The Lord wants to spend time with you. A husband loves to spend time with his wife, to talk to her, to listen to her. Jesus wants to spend time with you. Do not we desire to spend time with him? Now, despite the opposition, despite those that were opposing Jesus and those who oppose him today, there were those following him and it is a privilege for us and a blessing to follow Jesus. Though we may be despised, what a blessing, what a privilege to follow him. One may be laughed at. Many jokes will be said and Here's a common one. It may be said of you, you're old-fashioned. What a blessing to be old-fashioned and following Jesus. You may be laughed at, but oh, what a blessing to be in that number following Jesus. And particularly at this time, as we face such uncertainties in this nation, as things are deteriorating, what a blessing to be following Jesus. Because we're following him through the valleys. And we'll follow him to heaven. And there is no virus. There is no sorrow. There is no sin in heaven. Well let's move on and consider secondly. Men with grace but weak. Men with grace but weak. There were those who were truly following him. Hearts have been opened on this occasion. But there was many a weak saint and that's confirmed in verse 20 a bruised reed shall he not break and smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory now we have here a bruised reed and a smoking flax well let's consider first of all a bruised reed a bruised crushed broken bruised you think of the reed then, broken, bruised. And then the smoking flax. Now flax, we think a particular plant and linen is made from it. Well, we read here of the smoking flax. As it were, the wick is just burning a little, but not much. Think of a candle. Many of you have candles, so do we. 
You blow out the flame. Sometimes there's no smoke. But at other times there's just a little glow and the smoke is burning. Children, candles on a cake. One for each year until you get to a certain age. My wife never puts all the candles on the cake now. But you think you blow out the candles and what happens? The smoke, isn't it? Fire alarm may go off. And, but you can note the little candles, and particularly if you've had the lights turned off and you see a little glow. There's a little bit of life there, but it's not much. Think of the bruised reed and the smoking flax. The bruised reed, the broken, the crushed, the crushed reed, the smoking flax. Yes, there is life, but it seems so feeble. What do we read here? A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench. Now what we're thinking here is of weak believers. They're bruised. They're not strong. They're feeble. There doesn't seem to be much life. It's like a smoking flax, but there is life. The Lord here is considering weak believers. Broken, feeble some who do not seem to have much strength. There does not seem to be a great display of the graces or a great comfort known. There are the weak ones in the flock. Think of a flock of sheep. There are the stronger ones, but also there are the weak ones. In Romans 15 verse 1, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. <clears throat> and in Acts 20 verse 35, I have showed you all things, how that so labouring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You think of the weak there. And the Lord is thinking of the weak here. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax. Well, let's think of the weak then. Men with grace, but weak. First of all, it may be a new convert, a new Christian. They've looked unto Jesus and they're saved, but they're weak. Think of the Old Testament. There was the brazen serpent that was erected by Moses. And those that looked lived, whether they were very near the brazen serpent and could see much and understand, or those who were right at a distance. They could see, but they didn't understand so much. They didn't see all the detail, but they were saved. There were those who saw more clearly. There were those who didn't see so clearly. As we think of that illustration, there were the weak ones in the flock, maybe a new convert. They've looked to Jesus, but doubts may arise. Secondly, we could consider one who is weak, weak in the graces. There is faith, but it doesn't appear strong. They may cry out, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Maybe love, there is love in the heart, but it doesn't seem to flow so much as it does in the hearts of others. Weak in the graces, maybe meekness. They struggle with a temper. Oh, they long to be like Jesus, but they struggle with a temper. Weak in the graces. Thirdly, 
One may be weak because they're known for struggling with doubts. Yes, there's faith in the heart, and what a gift that is. They're saved, but there's doubts there, and the doubts seem to arise again and again and has an effect on them. They're weak there. Fourthly, maybe one who struggles to grow in their understanding of the Scriptures. One who struggles to grow in their understanding of the Scriptures. They may have loved the Lord for many years and they should be on the meats, but they're still taking the milk. There's this weakness. Fifthly, it may be someone who is strong, but then suddenly something happens and they become weak. And they're like that bruised reed and that smoking flax. And I've known certain ones, they've been strong, looking to the Lord, but then they become that bruised reed and that smoking flax. There was a dear minister, he's with the Lord now. He died, I believe, at the beginning of April. He was such a contender for the faith. He was such a blessing to the cause of reformation in this country. But oh, he struggled near the end of his life. He was like that bruised reed and that smoking flax. Yes, others knew there was grace within, but he couldn't see it. And he thought that all he had ever done for the cause of Christ was because of common grace and not saving grace. A bruised reed, someone could be strong. But something happens and they become like that bruised reed or smoking flax. Sixthly, it may be one who struggles with worldliness. Texts like, for to me to live is Christ, are quickly passed over and seldom thought upon. Worldliness has a big part in their life. The world pours. They're struggling like a bruised reed and a smoking flax. The world allures them. Seventhly, <coughs> it may be one who struggles to say no and yields often to temptation. The psalmist, feeling his sin in Psalm 6 verse 2, said, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. He felt his weakness. One may struggle. Some sin is presented. And they know they shouldn't do it, but they find themselves yielding to it. They know that it won't be helpful to them, but they find themselves yielding often to that temptation. And there's this weakness. The bruised reed and the smoking flax. Now one may give the appearance of being strong, and saying the right things, but away from view, they struggle. They're the weak ones in the flock. You know, it's what we are on our knees, isn't it? In our rooms. And no more, said one Puritan. Believers can give this appearance to others, in church, out in the community. But they can be like the bruised reed and the smoking flax in reality. Consider again the flock of sheep. Not all in the flock are strong. You think of a flock. Certain ones have their problems. Certain sheep limp. They have bad feet. Think of the lambs. Some of them skip. But some are sickly and poorly. You think of lambing time. 
the shepherd, he's thankful when he sees the lambs and they look healthy, but you know, he stays up at night time, doesn't he? Keeping a close watch on the weak, sickly lambs. He may put a heat lamp over one of the lambs because the lamb is in danger. There's the weak ones. Well, in the flock, in the church, there are the weak ones. But let's open this up a little further. Consider one can become weak in affliction. We thought of a weakness and we thought of the weak ones in light of those other things. But let's now consider one weak in affliction. Psalm 69 verse 20. Reproach hath broken my heart and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none and for comfort, but I found none. Reproach have broken my heart. I know this crushing within in affliction. Yes, there may be a strength, they're strong in the Lord, but some affliction has come and they become like a bruised reed and a smoking flax. At times the believer may feel weak within and I'm sure you've experienced it. You feel so weak and you long for strength. Like a bruised reed, Psalm 102 verse 4, my heart is smitten and withered like grass, so that I forget to eat my bread. The heart is smitten, withered like grass. Think of the grass, children, in the springtime. It's growing, it's lush, it's strong. But then you think of the grass in late autumn. There's this weakness about it. Withered like grass, a bruised reed. One can so struggle in affliction. Doubts can arise. Spiritual duties, though loved and valued, are a struggle. There's life, but it's only just visible. There's grace. One is following the Lord, but all there's a struggle. Men with grace, but weak. And all the Lord's people, I believe, from time to time, know the reality of the things I've been describing this morning. A bruised reed and smoking flax. Struggling, broken, but there is grace. And let's be thankful for that. There's grace within and you're in the flock. Go back to the wilderness. Those who are right at the back of the camp. They looked, they just made out the brazen serpent. All was well for their soul. And you may feel weak and you're struggling and you find it hard to understand, but you've looked to Jesus and all is well and you're blessed by him. Well, as we draw to a close, thirdly, men blessed by the compassionate shepherd. Let's turn back to verse 20. A bruised reed shall he not break. And smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory. There were the weak ones there following him. The Lord is going to bless them and help them. The Lord is going to come in for them. The gospel is going to be made known. They're going to be vindicated till he send forth judgment unto victory. Oh, what compassion Christ has towards them. Back in Isaiah 42, verse 1, we read, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. 
I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. It was prophesied of him, and here we see it. The bruised reed, the smoking flax, the weak believer. He's not going to break them. Or quench or take away the life? No. He treats in a tender way. In a compassionate way. How he cared for them. It's all here, isn't it? A bruised reed shall he not break. What compassion. How tenderly Christ deals with the weak in the flock. And with us all. He will not quench the smoking flax. Yes, he sees the believer so weak at times. But he will not quench. Grace will remain with him. Listen to the Reverend John Brown of Haddington. He will not utterly destroy, but kindly help, care for the weak saints. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench. We've already considered his humility, the humble servant, Meek and lowly, you think of his gentleness. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench. A believer, and you may feel at times you're like that bruised reed, that smoking flax. How is he going to deal with you? In a compassionate way. His hands will be underneath you. He will not deal with you in a rough way. He will not break you. Or quench the grace. No. He deals in such a compassionate way. Oh what a shepherd. We think here of the flock following him. Oh what a compassionate shepherd. He knows them all very well. He knows their weaknesses. He knows my weakness. Your weakness. How he deals. You may feel so bruised. He will not break you. He puts on us. No more than we're able to bear. Oh, how he deals. Oh, how he treats us. There are the youths, as we see in Isaiah 40, verse 11, with their burdens, their responsibilities, and he gently leads them on. There are the lambs, he brings them near to his heart, to his bosom. Oh, how he deals with us. He has such a concern. He knows our sorrows. He knows our weakness. And he will not break us. Nor quench. He has a loving concern. His left hand is under my head. And his right hand doth embrace me. He so loves you. He has a concern for you. He will support you. Richly provide for you. He will gently lead you on. I say again. As we take note of the deterioration in this country. And young people, children, we're praying for you because these are strange days, challenging days. None of us has faced such a pandemic like this before. But what a blessing to know we have a compassionate shepherd who will not break us in the winter or quench the grace. No, he that have begun a good work in you will perform it. You feel weak. 
but you're in the hands of a strong shepherd. You can face the autumn. You can face the winter. You can face the valleys because of your shepherd. At times we feel so weak. What a comfort to know that the help we need is as we see in Psalm 89 verse 19 was laid on one that was mighty. We have a mighty and compassionate shepherd who will carry us through. How he has such a tender affection for you. How he so cares. A bruised reed shall he not break. And smoking flax shall he not quench. Till he send forth judgment unto victory. He will support you. He will have such a care over you. To your safe home. And you're safely in Emmanuel's land one day. After the judgment on the last day. He knows your burdens. He will gently lead you on. I close with those words in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. They fit in so well with what we're considering here. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. There have no temptation taken you but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. You may be bruised and you think, how much more of this brokenness can I put up with? But we have the promise, he will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. And when you think of that, what are we led to consider? How the Lord strengthens us. How the Lord supports us. When we feel weak, he makes us strong. As we read in the New Testament. How he leads us. All the way my Saviour leads me. What can I ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy? He will never forget you. He has his eye on you. You may be that bruised reed, that smoking flax. The Lord remembers. And the Lord will help. And the Lord will comfort. We can face the autumn and the winter with our worries, with our concerns, because we have a compassionate shepherd. Let me say this in closing. The Lord's people are in the best place to face this autumn and this winter. May we look to him we feel weak, we feel our struggles. Look to him who is mighty. Look on his eyes and see compassion flowing there towards you. Amen. Let us pray.